Let's go to the word right now, and I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And, and these words are, are, are sobering. Um, these words require that we give it much thought um, because eternal things hang in the balance. Jesus is speaking here. Let's read together. And Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction or to eternal loss. And there are how many? Many who go in by it. Next verse. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Go back to verse 13. Notice that in this passage, we are given only two options. There are only two options here. One is you enter through the narrow gate, you travel on the narrow road and it leads to life or eternal life. The other option is you enter through the broad, wide gate, you travel on the broad road and it leads to destruction or eternal loss. Those are the only two options given here. Um, now Jesus uses the term narrow to describe what life in the kingdom is like and what uh, the kingdom of God is like. He uses the word narrow. Now, for most of us, that's not a word that we find to be a compliment. You know, one of the worst things nowadays is to be told you are narrow. You're such a narrow person. You're such a narrow-minded person. You Christians, you're just narrow-minded. That's not a compliment, right? It means you need, to, you, need to, you need to change that attitude, okay? You, you, and so that's not a term that we want to be connected to us and associated with us. But Jesus, and by the way, Jesus didn't have a problem with, a, with an inadequate vocabulary. Okay, I'm sure he had... Thousands of words at his disposal that he could have used to describe what life in the kingdom is like, is like, what God's will is like. But he said, and he chose to describe it as being what? Narrow. Narrow. Uh, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about entering the narrow gate versus the broad gate. And I'm going to be challenging you and those who will hear this sermon to ask themselves honestly whether they have actually entered through the narrow gate or the broad gate, wide gate. Because in this passage, Jesus says there are only a few who actually have entered or who will enter through the narrow gate. But he says there are many who have entered and who will enter through the wide gate. So relatively speaking, there are a lot of folks who are on the broad road. 
and relatively speaking, only a few who are on the narrow road. So that means many people are going to hell or destruction and will suffer eternal loss relatively compared to the few. Now, I wish this described only people who are in the world. But when Jesus was speaking, he was speaking to a lot of religious folks. And so here's the reality. In many churches all over the world, and likely here too, there are many who will claim and profess that they are Christians, but who are really not living or walking or traveling the narrow road. While they profess to be Christians, they are on the broad road that is actually leading to eternal loss. So this is a sobering message because I want us to examine to see whether we're in the faith today. Hallelujah. Let me say a few preliminary things before I go more specifically to that passage. I want to talk to you about what we call saving faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Absolutely. But what is the faith that saves? What is its nature? What are the components of saving faith? In Acts chapter 20, verse 21, Paul is speaking. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the two words, repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jesus himself, when he was preaching in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Wayne Grudem, in his book, Bible Doctrine, said this. He said, when we turn to Christ for salvation from our sins, we are simultaneously turning away from the sins that we are asking Christ to save us from. Let me read that again. When we turn to Christ in faith for salvation from our sins. Let me comment. You turn to Christ to save you from your sins, not just to save you from hell. Sin is the evil for which we need to be delivered from. Christ is the Savior from sins. So when you turn to Christ, according to Grudem, in faith for salvation from your sins, you are simultaneously turning away from the sins 
that you are asking Christ to save us from. So here are the sins that are destroying me, that I need to be delivered from. Christ is here. So when I turn to Christ to deliver me from those sins, I am simultaneously turning away from the sins that I want him to save me from. And so what that means practically is that saving faith always contains the important element of repentance from sin. Belief in God or in Christ and repentance from sins are two sides of the one coin we call saving faith. You have a coin and every coin has two sides, the heads and tails. Saving faith always has two sides. One side is belief in Christ and Christ alone for our salvation, for by grace are you saved through faith and that out of, not of yourself. It is the gifts of God, not of works. Nobody can boast. That's one side, belief in Christ. But the other side of that coin called saving faith is repentance toward God, repentance from sin, a turning away from sin. So let's be clear, there is no thing called saving faith where either belief or repentance is missing. If you say you have saving faith, but you are not trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, that is not saving faith. That faith is dead, according to, to James. If you say you have faith, but that faith does not move you to repent of sin, that is not saving faith. That James calls dead faith. Living faith. The faith that ushers us into the experience of salvation always has two sides. One is belief in Christ and Christ alone and his gift of salvation that we cannot earn, merit, or deserve it. And the decision that we have made to turn from sin, to place our faith in Christ, to deliver us from sin. Do you hear me? So the two go together. Keep that in mind as now we look at the passage in Matthew chapter 7. He says that you should enter through the narrow gate, travel on the narrow road, and that road leads to life. Say there are only two options. You know, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to salvation, there are only two options. You either are on the narrow road that is leading to eternal life or you're on a broad road that is leading to eternal loss. Then there are no other options. You know, we, we love options, right? Uh, you know, you got 200-something channels on your cable, options. You know, you go to the restaurant and you look at the menu and the restaurants that give you many options generally are the ones that you prefer. 
And then on the menu, you know, they have entrees. But you look at the entree and you say, may I substitute this particular baked potato for some french fries or for something more healthy, some broccoli? Are you hearing me? So you have the menu and you have options. And you can actually order some things a la carte. Is that the right way to say it? I'm speaking French. <laughs> okay. But you got, the, you got the options. When it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to what Jesus is saying regarding salvation, your relationship with God, going to heaven, going to hell, eternal love, lost, eternal light, Jesus said there are only two options. And that you, can't, you cannot, for instance, say, listen, okay, this is what I want, Jesus. I want to enter through the Broadway gate, wide gate. I want to travel on the Broadway, but I would like to substitute eternal loss for eternal life. That option is not available. If you enter through, if you choose the, the wide gate, it will automatically place you on the Broadway, which will automatically lead you to eternal loss. If, on the other hand, you choose to enter through the narrow gate, it will automatically place you on the narrow road, make you a very narrow person. It will make you a very narrow-minded person when it comes to the things of God and salvation. And it will lead you to what? Eternal life. So there's no such thing as entering in through the narrow gate and then spending your time on the broad road. The narrow gate leads to only one thing, the narrow road. So the question I'm going to ask you to wrestle with today is which gate have you entered through? And how do you know which gate you have entered? The answer, according to Jesus, is simple. The narrow gate leads to the narrow road. So if you look at your life and you find yourself still on the broad road, you know you enter through the broad gate. On the other hand, if you have become a very narrow person since you came to Jesus, are you hearing me? And now you're living a narrow life that is focused on Jesus Christ, that is characterized by a life of repentance towards God from sin and faith in Jesus for your salvation, then you know I must have come through the narrow gate because every day I'm placing my faith in him and him alone. And every day I am repenting and resisting sin. Sin. 
I know I am on the narrow road, which means I must have come through the narrow gate because I am looking to Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. On Christ alone, I place my faith. All of the ground is what? Sinking sand. I am saved by grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone, according to the word of God, the Bible alone, for the glory of God alone. Yeah, that part is there. But it's the other part there. If I am truly trusting in Christ alone, what will follow, what will also be present is a lifestyle of repenting, resisting sin. But if I find myself having prayed, quote unquote, the sinner's prayer, by the way, it's not in the Bible. I pray the sinner's prayer, but yet I'm continuing to live just like I lived before praying the sinner's prayer. There has been no change in my desire. I still am fully engaged with the things of the world. My lifestyle is no different from the lifestyle of the man or woman who does not know Christ. Hear me. The fact that I'm still living a life where sin is a way of life, where I can still do all the things I did before I prayed the sinner's prayer, and it doesn't bother me, that is proof that I did not come through the narrow gate because if you come through the narrow gate, the only option is to place you on the narrow road. Are we still here? So here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. I know you say, well, Bishop, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I asked Jesus in my heart. But hear me, let me repeat this. It's not the sinner's prayer that gets you through the gate. Again, the sinner's prayer really isn't in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray it. I'm just saying, just repeating the words does not get you through the gate. What gets you through the gate is what? What is saving faith? Believe in him alone and repentance towards God. Repent and believe the gospel. I turn from sin to Christ. And if I'm simply repeating words because I was told to repeat those words, but there is no repentance or desire to turn from sin or no real faith in Christ alone for my salvation, then those were just empty words. I'm still on the broad road that is leading to destruction, to eternal, eternal loss. So I want, you, I want you to keep that in mind. And then let's, let's look at, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 13. 
Because Jesus makes a, a, another comment there that I want us to, to pay attention to. Luke, Luke 13, 24 and 25. Luke 13, 24 and 25. I'm going to comment on that there. But before I do that, here is the fact. One or two options. But this is also true. Every single one of us, every man, every woman, you, me, your mother, your father, your children, every person that you know on the face of this earth, our default position is the wide gate, the broad way. We all come into the world through the wide gate and we find ourselves on the broad road that is leading to eternal loss. That's the default position. David speaks for all of us in Psalm 51 verse 5 when David says that I was conceived in iniquity. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in, my, and in sin my mother conceived me. And when you look at all the various translations, you, you find that the NIV, the Amplified Bible, the TLV, the TLC, all of them say it in different ways and you ought to read it in different, different versions. But all of these verses, David said, listen, I enter this world a sinner. My mother conceived me in sin. I am a sinner. That's how we come into this world. Sinner, sinful. By default, we come into this world already on the broad road that is leading to eternal loss. Now God by his grace, say grace, has made provision for every one of us to exit Oh my goodness. Take an exit off of that road, make a U-turn, and enter in through the narrow gate that will put us on the narrow road that will lead to eternal life. Say so thank you, Jesus. That was what the cross is all about. The cross is God's exit ramp. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is God's exit ramp, ramp that allows us to exit this road Make a U-turn, enter through the narrow gate, and start heading towards eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, here's, a, here's, a, here's a Greek word for repentance. The Greek word for repentance means to change your mind. The Hebrew word for repentance means to turn around. Amen. And so we now, in this dispensation, for this time period, by the grace of God, we find ourselves on the broad road, headed for eternal loss, and God has provided an exit ramp that we can access through faith in Jesus and repentance towards God. We can change our mind concerning sin. We can change our mind concerning our sins. We can change our mind concerning God, and then we can place our faith in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. And if we do that, we exit, oh my goodness, that road that is leading to destruction. We make a U-turn, which is repentance, and then we enter through that narrow gate 
And now we find ourselves on this narrow road that is leading to eternal life. Glory be to God. Please go back to Luke chapter 13. Now, because you are born in sin, shaped in iniquity, that's your default position, this broad road. But God has provided a way to exit and to enter the kingdom of God on the narrow road, Jesus says to us, and this was in response to a question. This man asked Jesus, are there few people who will be saved? And Jesus' response was, listen, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He says there will be many who will seek to enter the kingdom through the narrow gate and they won't be able. Who and what is Jesus talking about? Go to the next verse, please. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, Liberians, this is how our knock sounds. Buck, buck. What does the Cameroonian knock sound like? Buck, 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 three. <laughs> the, American, the American knock is knock, knock. <laughs> but the people will start to buck, 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 knock, knock at the door. And, 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 and the Lord opened to us and he says, the Lord will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you're from. What Jesus is saying is that this opportunity to exit this road that is leading to destruction, make the U-turn and come in through the narrow gate, is not going to be forever. It's available now. And so he's saying, listen, you're wondering whether there are few or many who will enter. The fact is there will be many who will not. But you who are asking this question, you need to strive to enter through this gate while the opportunity exists. Because the day is coming when you're going to no longer be able to exit. The day is coming when the, when the narrow gate is going to shut. And there will be a lot of people at that time who finally have come to their senses who now want to repent. Who now want to say, Jesus, you're Lord and Savior. Who will now realize they made a mistake by not choosing the way, the narrow way earlier, will now be trying to negotiate with, 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 with Christ. And Jesus said, no, the day is coming, the opportunity was shut. So everyone who is alive today, while the gate is still available to you to enter the narrow gate, he says, you need to strive to enter it. You need to make every effort you need to work hard to enter that gate. Say, say strive. Work hard. Make every effort. But wait a minute, I thought salvation is supposed to be easy. I thought you just supposed to pray the sinner's prayer. I thought once I pray the sinner's prayer, it's done. But Jesus says, strive, work hard. Make every effort. But what happens to salvation by grace through faith? I thought salvation is supposed to be free. 
You are absolutely right. Salvation is free. It's by grace apart from works. Christ has done it all. The work of salvation is finished. You and I don't have to do anything, cannot do anything, to add to or earn our salvation. Christ has done it for us. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. So, so, you're right. So when Jesus says strive, work hard, make every effort, he cannot be talking about working to earn salvation. So what is he talking about? What is he saying? Make every effort. Work hard. Strive at this. Let me tell you what's hard. Two things are hard. And you got to work at it. You got to make a decision. Firstly, repenting. Making the decision to leave your sins. Making a decision to repent of your sins. Making a decision to give up the world and all of its pleasures and promises to decide I am going to leave that. I'm going to turn away from my sins to Christ for salvation. A lot of people find that exceedingly hard to do. And because repentance and giving up the world is not easy, Jesus says, you go ahead and you do whatever you need to do. Make the effort, whatever you need to do to repent and to surrender this world, give up the sinful worldly pleasures that if, if you continue to hold on to it will lead you to hell. He says, you need to do what you got to do. If you got to go home today and move out because you're living in sin with someone you're not married to so you can get saved. Go and do it. Repent. You're not earning your salvation. You're just turning from sin as you turn to Christ. Are you listening to me? So what's hard is the decision to give us. And that's why some of you right now are not saved, even though you're in church. Because it's been hard for you to repent. You're unwilling to give up sin. You want a savior without giving up sin. Again, you want to substitute eternal life or eternal loss or eternal life while holding on to the pleasures of sin. The world behind me. The cross before me. But some of us want the cross and the world. And that's why a lot of folks who are confessing and professing to be Christians, and you see the way they're living, there is absolutely no difference. But yet they profess to be Christians. They talk like the world, they act like the world, they do everything, they pursue the same things the world does. They want to be like the world. Want to live like the world and still profess to be saved. Now hear me, don't, I don't want you to get confused. Your works will not earn or your salvation. You don't work for your salvation. Are you hearing me? But repentance is a part of saving faith. And if there is no genuine repentance, it only means you have not yet exercised saving faith. 
You say, but Bishop, I'm struggling with sin. If you're struggling, that's a good sign. I'm talking about the person who is living in sin, practicing sin, and it's just fine. There's no struggle, no desire to leave it. No, oh God, help me. Are you hearing me? That is the person who needs to be really concerned. Because if you can profess you're a Christian, then just live in sin and just make excuses and it doesn't bother you. Examine yourself who? To see whether you actually have come through the gate, the narrow gate. How do you know you've come through the narrow gate? Jesus tells us. He says, if you come through the narrow gate, it's going to lead to the narrow road. So you know that you've come through the narrow gate because now you're living the narrow life. The narrow life is a life of faith in Christ and repentance towards sin. If you're living that narrow life, Jesus alone, faith in him alone, by grace alone, and I'm repenting, turning from sin, asking him to help me. I'm resisting sin. Uh, my heart is, my desire is to please him. That's the narrow way. If that is happening, then you know you came through a narrow gate. And you can rest because the narrow road leads to only one place, the kingdom of heaven. All right? So Jesus says, listen, work, strive. I told you one reason that he's saying his heart has to do with the fact that the, the world is strong. And it can hold us and, and we can struggle to let go of it. Okay? And, and one of the reasons it's hard is, not, is because, as I said at other service, one of the reasons why it's hard and many people to give up the world and many people are on this road is because sinning is your comfort zone when you come into this world. I mean, when you came in, you came in as a sinner, all you need to do was sin. Sinning is easy. Sinning is natural. It's part of your comfort zone. You don't have to make any effort. You can sin in your sleep. <laughs> Amen. You can sin without even thinking, right? It's like speaking your mother language, your native language. I mean, you talk the thing without even thinking. Hey, I was born, this is all I know. I don't have to make an effort to speak my language. But now you try to learn a foreign language, and it's hard. That's why I don't speak Spanish yet. <laughs> That's why I don't speak French. And we've had French services, and many French members for a long time. Why? Because it takes effort. I'm not, it's, that's not my comfort zone. That's, my, that's not my natural language. So it's going to require some real effort, working hard, striving for me to learn French. And I'm too lazy. My flesh is too lazy. I don't want to have to do that. So I say, you know what? I will just stay with my de facto language. Oh, the, 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 the English and the Liberian English. And once in a while, I'll speak French. I'll say a la carte. <laughs> but you understand, right? So because it's, it's, it's natural, that's your comfort zone, sinning is just, you don't need to even think, try, make any effort. You can just sin. Most, that's why you got many people that are on the broad road. Because only a few people are willing to go through and make the extra effort to actually live contrary to what's natural. Yeah. 
That's another reason why, you know, we choose, many people choose the narrow road. One is, is because, they, I mean, don't choose the narrow road, they choose the broad road. It's because, man, that broad road has room for everything. Man, you, there's enough room. You don't, you don't have to, to, to squeeze yourself into a certain mold. The broad way, man, anyone and everything can enter that wide gate, can coexist on that broad road. There's room. And we, and, and we lack the freedom that comes with the broad road. When you're on the narrow road, you got to be looking to the left and the right, and you got to live this narrow life, which restricts you. But on this broad road, no restrictions, man. You can sin a thousand ways. You're free to be you. You can cuss a thousand ways. I got a thousand options on how to cuss. Fornicate a thousand ways. Or maybe with a thousand people. I don't know if you can fornicate a thousand. Amen? Lie. I can just do what I want to do on the Broadway. I don't have to forgive you. I can just hold a grudge as long as I want to. I'm on the broad road. I like the freedom just to be me. To express myself just like I please. And so, so it's natural. And then people just like the freedom that comes with the broad road. And so it's difficult to repent. They find the narrow way too restrictive. But here's another reason. Now, I, hope, I hope you're following me. Jesus said, strive, work at it. And this is why you got to work because it's hard to repent. It's hard to give up. Here's another reason why you got to work. Because not only is it hard to repent, it's also hard to believe the gospel. The idea that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, apart from any works on your part, the fact that God will not take into account your works at all when he's justifying you, making you righteous, making you part of his family. For many people, that is a stumbling block. For religious people, they don't think it's even fair. In fact, I got a, I got a friend from, from elementary or high school days all the way she said she's an American, but she was in Liberia. And I post these things, and she's not a believer. She struggles. And one of the things she struggles with is the idea that a wicked person can do all of that and then simply pray a prayer and go to heaven. While someone else who is not as wicked as that person, who for one reason or another doesn't believe in Jesus, will go to hell. She struggles with that. She's ch every time we, she, she, she challenges that. For her, it is unfair, unjust, not right that God would be willing to give salvation to such wicked people. In her mind, if there's a place called hell, if there's a God that is just, then he should judge people on the basis of their works. Why, yes, all of us are not perfect so he can give some grace. 
But he should judge us on our works. And if, and if we are basically good people and basically loving people and we're not a Hitler, all of that, if God is good, God is just, then you know what? He should judge us on our performance. And first of all, there should be no hell, period. But if he's going to put anybody in heaven, let it be those who have proven by the way they've lived to be good people. So when you come around and you and I say, listen, God will say to the thief on the cross who has spent his whole life stealing from people, perhaps even committing murder, today you will be in paradise with me. That's our message. That's the gospel. That's the faith we're saying you need to believe. That's part of the coin. You got to believe this gospel. And, and it's hard for people to believe it. So Jesus said, listen, the day is coming when this opportunity will close. So you better right now strive, do the work, make the effort to repent and to believe this gospel. Because that's the only way you will be able to enter through the narrow gate that puts you on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. So here we are. We have only two choices. The question is, which will you choose? By default, all of us are on the broad road. All of us have come through the narrow gate. But while the opportunity exists to take the exit that God has provided through the cross, have you done so? Your family, your friends, have they done so? How do you know you've done so? Because you're now living the narrow life. You're focused in your faith on Christ and Christ alone. You've turned from sin to him. And on a daily basis, you continue to look to him to save you, not just from hell, but from sin itself and the evidence of that is that there will be a battle between your flesh and your spirit look you cannot meet Jesus or meet God in Christ and not be changed you cannot have a genuine salvation experience and there are no changes in your desires first and then your behavior. You may still struggle with some behavioral problems. But there's a change in your desires. And if you are saved, it will eventually produce changes in your behavior. You cannot, I say, meet Christ. Or meet God in Christ. And not be changed. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. And all things will become new. Your works of repentance and faith will not in themselves save you, but they will provide evidence of your salvation. When you start saying, no, I can no longer be fornicating with this man or this woman. 
I'm saved now. Ah, you know something has happened. I can no longer be, be treating people and insulting people and abusing people and, 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 all, and, and it doesn't bother me. No, 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 no. You know something has happened. When now you find that, oh, I didn't used to like the church people or the Christian people. Now I find my heart, even though they, they, they get on my nerves sometimes, like, like, like you get on mine. But man, we still, we love one another. It's strange, right? We love one another. I just, I love those church people. I love those Christian people. I try to get away from them, but I end up coming right back to them. That's evidence that the life of Christ is in you, man. That, will, that is not saving you, but it's showing that you are saved. That Christ is in you. You cannot, say I cannot, have a living encounter with God in Christ. That encounter called salvation and remain the same. Heard a preacher give this illustration. I bless my heart. He says, if you are on the highway and say you had a flat tire and you got out of your car to change your tire and you didn't see this huge um, Mack truck coming down the highway going at 60 miles per hour and you have a, a real encounter, <laughs> head on, <laughs> face-to-face encounter with that Mack truck. If an hour or two later you show up, I show up to your house, Yemi, Kimmy, and I said, oh, you, listen, I just had a real encounter with a Mack truck. Man, I was on that highway, and that thing going 60 miles per hour ran straight into me. Oh, you should have been there. You would look at me, and you would say, we may need to call 911, take picture up to the, because you know there's no way you can have an encounter with a Mack truck and it doesn't change you completely, permanently, forever. You're not going to be the same after you have an encounter like that. And now, if that Mack truck encounter is going to change you, what do you think is going to happen when you encounter the living God? Amen? And you experience salvation in Christ. My goodness, you are changed forever. You are changed for life. Say amen. Amen. So don't tell me you're saved if there's no change in your life, man. All right, let me bring this up close. Uh, Pastor Kesme showed me my sign. <laughs> so let me bring this up close. Many are those who enter through the broad gate, wide gates, remain on the broad road, and they will end up with eternal loss, destruction, hell. But it's not only hell that they will experience if they continue on this road. It's also the loss of meaning and purpose and a wasted life that does not fulfill the purpose for which God created it. You were created, man, and for a purpose. You were created, woman, by God uniquely to fulfill a purpose he has for you. And the only way to fulfill that unique divine purpose and destiny is to come through the narrow gate and to walk the narrow road. 
what you and I should be craving, going after. It's not what the crowd is going after. Don't follow the crowd, follow the Christ. It is he who said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. It is he who said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. It is he who said, I am the resurrection and the life. It is who said, I am the vine and you're the branch and apart from me you can do nothing. It is he who can fulfill your destiny, that for which God created you. Don't follow the crowd. Follow the Christ. Just because many people, even in the church, are worldly. Living like the world. Pursuing the things of the world in the same way the world is pursuing it. Pleasure, power, popularity. That's what they want. Doesn't mean you need to join them. That road leads to loss. Both in this life and the life to come. What you need, what I need is Christ. What we should be pursuing Chasing after with all our heart, with all our mind, putting our effort into it is to know him, man. To be conformed to his image. To fulfill the purpose for which God created us. That's the thing we should be pursuing with all our heart, chasing after. And you only do that on the narrow road. Every athlete who wants to win a crown must discipline himself. There are things that others can do, he won't do. He has to deny himself. That's why Jesus said, you want to you be my disciple. You want to fulfill destiny and purpose. Then he says, listen, you've got to live a narrow life. You've got to deny yourself. What the world would not deny itself, you've got to be able to say no to sin. And not just to sin, no to some weights. Not sin, but they would just slow you down. If you're going to come to prayer meeting on a regular basis, you could probably have to say no to some other things that are occupying your time on Friday nights. If you're going to be in church regularly, like I believe you should, you're going to have to say no to some other things that are keeping you away from regular fellowship and participation in the life of the church. If you're going to fulfill the purpose God has for you in this church, where he can make you a tremendous blessing, you're probably going to have to say no to some other things. The road to your destiny is narrow. And nobody can make that decision for you, not even God will. That's one thing God considers sacred. He gave you the freedom to say yes or no. All he can do is say, here are your options, man. Go ahead and be wise. Enter through the narrow gate. Choose the narrow life. Crave for Christ. Don't follow the crowd. Here is the good news. Even though the gate is narrow, it's wide enough for every man and every woman who wants to come to the Father through Jesus. For you see, Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the door to the sheep. And he's not the door and the way because he wants to keep you out. He's the door and the way because he wants every man, every woman who wants to come to the Father to be able to do so through him. So right now, 
The gate is not yet shut. The narrow gate is still open. And Jesus is still at the door. And he's, all, he's saying, all you that labor, all you that are burdened, all you that are heavy laden, you come. Come through me and I will give you rest. You can come right now and he'll let you in if you're willing to come through faith in him and repentance from your sins. You can enter now. Exit now that broad life. Enter into the narrow way and let God's purpose for your life be fulfilled both in this life and in the life to come. Raise your hands to heaven. It's not the words you repeat. It's the heart of repentance and faith. But I still want you to speak these words for if you speak it from your heart, you speak it from your heart, they have power to bring you into the kingdom through Jesus Christ. Say with me, say, Father God, I thank you for the Son of God, Savior of the world, who died for my sins. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that his blood takes away the sins of the world. Today, Lord Jesus, I confess you as my Savior and as my Lord and I repent. I make the hard decision, the difficult decision to give up a life of sin, to give up this world system. I let it go. I turn from it. Lord, by your power now, save me from sin. Live now your life in me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo, my goodness. My goodness. So if those words were accompanied by genuine faith in him and repentance for sin, you have come through the narrow gate and you're on the narrow road. In Jesus' name. If you said, Bishop, I believe I'm there, but I need to grow. I haven't really been pressing into the things of God. I need to grow. Listen, whether you just entered in or you're in, but you have not really been moving forward. You see, the way in is narrow, the way forward is narrow. If you are not growing in your knowledge of him, we want to help you. And so we have a system in place for you to receive spiritual nurturing and and, and mentoring. Now you got to help us help you. No matter how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been in this church, if you want to start to grow spiritually, do this. Text the word info, correct? Text the word info to 301-588-8099. Why don't you do it right now? Info, and you will receive a list of different things that you can Provide information that will help us. One of the selections you can make will be MAF. So once you do info, then go ahead and select MAF. And then you will get a questionnaire. You answer the questions. And that will set you on a path 
where we'll connect with you and literally begin to mentor you spiritually so that you can start growing. If you would like to do that, and I encourage you to do it, please do so today in Jesus' name.